Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair Industry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big announcement, Presley Poe & Friends is back 2022, April 2nd, April 3rd in the state of Maryland. Um, we have Presley coming in and her friends, her Jacob Kahn, Lisa Carello, Patty Plymeyer, also known as Queen of the South, Trevor Moots, Taylor Fade. So again, that's April 2nd and April 3rd. April 2nd, we're doing a like a happy hour with a, with a demo from all of our artists. And then they're going to come and do a mix and mingle. So you'll be hanging out with all the artists that evening. April 3rd is an uh, educational-filled day. We have a la carte classes that are available. Um, Jacob's doing a, a couple hands-on classes. Preston's going to do a Vivid class. Patty is doing a hands-on braiding class. Lisa Carella is going to show you all that you need to know about textured hair. And Trevor Moots is doing his amazing barbering. Um, all the all the information is available on PresleyPoeAndFriends.com. Um, big shout out to our, our to our sponsors, of course. The uh, Sharon and, and Charles Reiser, the Temple Paul Mitchell, which is uh, in, in Frederick, Maryland, which is where we're going to be uh, holding the event. Cosmoprof Beauty, once again, they stepped up so we could uh, help support you guys. They, they stepped up for uh, Shadow Presley Poe. Um, we have the Handsome app. If you guys haven't downloaded the Handsome app, it's a must. They're going to be covering uh, the weekend, and they have some incredible giveaways um, that are coming up that weekend. If you're going to be at the show, Handsome has shears that they're giving away. They have brushes they're giving away, blow dryers that they're giving away. Um, they're giving a lot of stuff away that weekend. Big shout-out to Hatoro Hanzo uh, shears. They're, uh, they're, they're, gonna, they're one of our sponsors. They're going to be um, uh, in, in collaboration with the Handsome app. They're going to be giving away some shears. And, of course, our friends at Salon Scale. Salon Scale, um, they always step up for the industry. And, you know, just big thank yous. And, once again, uh, thank you for stepping up for the industry. So, again, April 2nd, April 3rd, PresleyPoeAndFriends.com. All the information is there. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this live, in-person event. Um, come back to school with us, y'all. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I sit with my best friend, Tony. What's up, buddy? What's going on, brother? <laughs> Nothing, man. I'm super excited about today's podcast. Oh, man, we're, we're having a blast. We haven't even started. 
I know. We uh, we just chatted for about the last 10 minutes and we shared a bunch of laughs. So I hope we didn't wear off wear out all of our laughs already. Yeah, we're gonna be like soon you're gonna like, welcome to your day. Uh <laughs> <laughs> nothing to say, you know. You know, it's funny, it's funny. I was talking about this not too long ago, but the reason that we have the opening that we do was because one, when we first did our first podcast, we never introduced ourselves, right? And then people were like, Well, who are you guys? You know, one, and then two. It's so weird once a mic turns on that your brain goes to a different spot and, and we couldn't figure out like what the very first word we we're going to say is. So we do that opening just so we can have conversation, essentially. Yeah, really. It's for me and you. It's total. Well, there's so many jokes that are just for me and you <laughs> in this podcast that we get to like enjoy you know, time and time again. So um, so today our uh, our client is God, I'm going to mess his name up. Drew <laughs> Schaefering. Did I get it? Yep. You right. got it. Yeah. You said I got it. Cool. So uh, it's, it's with Drew Schaefering. He's, dude, he's done it all in the industry, you know, from, from, he hasn't been in the industry that long, not compared to like our old faces, but, um, but he's done a lot, dude. Dude. I mean, like in a short amount of time, I mean, he, he moved quickly. You know what I mean? That needle We're, is pegged, huh? Yeah. He, you know. I'm not going to spill anything that we talked about earlier, but you know, he, he gave a little time frame when he started with before he out. I'm like, man, I just figured out I still needed to be an apprentice. <laughs> I know, <right>? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so I'm, I'm I'm really curious about this guy and uh, you know how he did what he did and as quick as he did. Me too, man. I'm 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 way interested. Should we get in? Yeah. So, Mr. Drew, welcome to your day off. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely, man. Thanks for thanks yeah, for hanging out yeah. with us and sharing a couple of laughs with us. So, so Drew, where where are you from originally? I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, where I uh, I grew up. Kind of went to all the school, primary school, private high school, and then I found myself um, on a soccer scholarship studying business in the Carolinas at two different schools before I retreated back to St. Louis and eventually got into hair. Where'd you go to? Where'd you? Where, where did you go to school in, in the Carolinas? Yeah, I spent a year at Charles, Charleston Southern University uh-huh. down there, and then uh, I, I transferred to a school kind of right outside of between Charlotte and Asheville called Gardner-Webb, and uh, loved it out there, very different. I mean, my last school was a one, one stoplight town, so it was literally like it was built around the campus, and it was a great experience, but time time expired there. So you, uh, so you played soccer there? Yeah, I did. I went. I uh, was fortunate enough to, to have soccer pay for my schooling. And I was actually was planning on going and playing soccer in Europe. So I ended up studying a few different languages and just kind of, you know, a few injuries and getting by more on my hard work than talent. I realized the next level wasn't going to get easier when everyone else was working as hard as me and they were more talented than me. So that's when I kind of said, OK, on to the next thing. So hold on. I, I need a little saying, soccer players. Man, they have endurance, brother. I know. Running. Yeah. Caught my, I have a. Uh, a son-in-law, he played soccer uh, all through high school and, and stuff. And uh, and so we all ride the Peloton. And we're all thinking mm-hmm. we're getting it. He jumped yeah. on the Peloton and he smokes. I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> I mean, he's like on a whole he's new level. Age too, bro. But still. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yeah. Half your, soccer half guys, boy, soccer player, right? I think it's just so much oxygen in your body and blood. And it's like this dude, man. I'm like, man, just go. So Drew, like if you're like a like if you graduate college and you're a basketball player, you'll go to Europe and you'll kind of like work on your skills before you come back to the U.S. Well, it must be opposite. Like, I mean, if you were planning on going to Europe, that must have been like a harder trail. Now, I don't know what I'm trying to you know what I'm trying to say. It's yeah, not, it's not like the minor leagues like it would be like like it would be like the NBA uses it as. 
I think, it, you know, there are different levels. I certainly wasn't being drafted into the English Premier League, which is like the top tier league in the world. Um, I was going over there to play um, in Germany at a few different options with the hope of doing a business um, kind of like apprenticeship or work where they would sponsor me. I would play for this team, get some business insight. And if it, if it went well, you know, maybe move up in the ranks. But I think, you know, some of these leagues are on par, maybe slightly below where the MLS is talent wise. So it's not necessarily going to the farm teams, but it's um, it's it wasn't going to the top leagues, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I have a sweet mate. From, she's from Kansas City and uh, yeah, she's a huge uh, um, her her grandfather played for the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals back. Oh, in, uh, good people. Yeah, uh, he put, but he played from the minor leagues he, for for St. Louis. But she's she grew up. She's still a huge uh, Cardinals fan. Like if if they're in the playoffs, I mean it's playing in our suite as we're cutting oh, hair. She oh, has for it sure. On. Yeah, yeah. People people who are St. Louis Cardinals fans just bleed blue or bleed red. Obviously, we all bleed red. But you know, there's a thing for the this, <laughs> Cardinal <laughs> but, red. We'll call it Cardinal. Yeah, Cardinal red. red. <laughs> the, this the St. Louis Blues fans say that they bleed blue. But yeah, even the I think the farm teams in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and there's just such a, a strong culture of, of St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis. Once you're a fan, you're just diehard. Huge. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. She, she's a, she's a Nats fan until they play the Cardinals, you know, exactly. And like, it's all about the cards, you know, like she's a hairdresser. She's a Cardinals fan, but dude, she knows every player. She knows every, like she goes to Florida for the training camps. Uh, oh, wow. She, I mean, she, she, she is legit. I'm like, she blows me away. I'm like, I can't even, you know, I like sports, <laughs> but I can't even have a conversation because I have <laughs> how depth she is. Right. That's impressive. Yeah. So you get back to, uh, so you get back to St. Louis and then um, what, what happened then? Yeah. So I was actually, so I studied business marketing with a minor in finance and I was interested in money and how making money works. And I always had this like business mindset. And then I was offered a position with a financial advisor, a friend of ours, uh, like the week before, like Thursday, Friday, come Monday, he said, give me your answer Monday morning, think about it on the weekend. I go down to my dad's office who um, had his office in the basement of our home. And he looks up and he's like, so what'd you decide? And I said, I think I'm going to take the job. Uh, it took me an extra year to graduate between transferring schools. And I felt like I was already a year behind everyone else who had gotten out and gotten on their path. I said, it's time for me to grow up, get this big job. And he, I'll never forget, he takes his glasses off, sets them down, looks at me, says, don't take that job. He said, you have something special. You have something different. Go back to follow your passion, which a part of the story I skipped is I had started cutting my own hair in high school, which led to cutting friends' hair, teachers' hair, and then doing it all through college. So I, I had this desire to be creative. I had this past, um, passion or fascination with hair. And because of my dad, he, he pushed me that direction, said, look, man, you can live here as long as you want. Go back to cosmetology school. Try it. If it's not for you, that job is still going to be there. So I was like, okay, fuck it. Let's do it. And day one of school, I was like this, I'm onto something. And fortunately, after having that college experience, after having the work ethic of being an athlete my entire life, I was just like, let's go. I'm setting it on fire. So I was no nonsense. I think I was the fastest person to graduate that they legally could allow me to graduate speed wise. And from there, I, I took a job at a good friend of mine's salon who he is one of the, the my most important people in my life and in my world, first mentor in the industry. And he he really supported me. I didn't do a proper apprenticeship. Um, basically, I would show up and he said, you're going to watch me when you're not busy. And I'm going to feed you blow dries and we're, we're just going to trial by fire. We're just going to throw you in the deep end. And uh, very quickly, you know, I, I was, you know, kind of shit in my pants getting these blow dries because you don't, 
you don't learn really that much in school. You know, you learn some basics, you learn to pass tests, but I wasn't being trained. I was just devouring education on my own time, watching as many back in the day DVDs because they weren't on YouTube. Um, and he took me to a class here in New York with L'Oreal Professionnel because that's who his affiliation with the salon was at. And the, the, the artist doing the class kind of was watching me. One of the assistants was watching. They came up to me after the two days and they're like, hey, man, have you ever thought about being an artist with, with a brand? I was like, no, I don't really know what that is. I, I was thinking like the way a snowboarder sponsored, you're going to send me a bunch of shit and put me on marketing stuff and right. have kind of this like kind of cool thing. So I said, all right, dude, let's try it. So I send an audition tape. They fly me back up to New York to audition in person. And next thing you know, I'm going out to Vegas for their national convention as one of their fast-tracked artists between the, the beginners and the high end. So I had this like year, two years of attending all of the beginning trainings, getting all of the wealth of knowledge, plus all of the advanced trainings with the top artists. So I was just like a sponge. And from there, my, you know, just exponentially uh, allowed me to grow and just become faster and faster. Well, kudos to your mentor, putting you in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. And kudos to your dad. I mean, cause I'll, yeah. you know, I don't know too many dads that, that, you know what, don't, you know, especially if you're pursuing a business degree in, in, in business and saying, you know what, uh, follow your passion. You know what I mean? Kudos to your dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a special story to me. And even when I tell the story, like if he listens to this podcast, he'll get teary eyed and choke up at it because he, I have, I've asked him since then. I was like, what was it that made you push me that direction? He just said, it was just a gut feeling. And the fact that so many fathers, you know, if you, I feel like telling your parents, you're going to go to beauty school is kind of like, it can be kind of shameful. You know, it's almost like beauty school dropout. You're not going to do anything with it. And, um, you know, for him to have that belief in me and knowing my work ethic and how kind of ambitious I am to take that risk and push me away from the safe, safe position or safe journey was really, really meant the, it means the world to me and it kickstarted everything. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a unique story. We've, you know, we've done over 350 episodes and, you know, almost everyone that we talked to, like there is a little bit of shame in there. There is, there, there wasn't always this great, I don't, there's, there's not always that great support to do it. And like, you know, if you Google how much a hairdresser makes, like, you know, it's like, it's like minimal dollars, you know, it's under minimum wage kind of stuff, you know? So for like, uh, uh, your story is completely unique because you were encouraged, you know, and you're, and I'm going to assume your dad's not from the industry. Sometimes in the oh. industry, we hear it, right. We, we hear that encouragement, but never from somebody outside the industry that to, especially with a college degree. Yeah. Cause usually like the parents are, uh, you know, like, Oh, don't do it. And then they end up proving the parents wrong and the parents become proud then, but yeah. never, you, you, usually not from the very get go. And you know, your dad's an awesome guy. I yeah. You know, Shout out to your pops. You know what's amazing about your story too is that we um we did a podcast a couple of years ago with Tabitha Coffee and what Tabitha did is she um is she had uh six mentees so so for a year so it it your story kind of reminded me of hers is like you're getting all this education from the top educators in the industry um that that she's allowed for for these mentees to uh to do as well and she's doing it again this year with with six more but your story kind of reminded me of like oh that's kind of what Tabitha's doing and the opportunity for that so and you know, if you're in school and you're getting out of school, go find the right salon. You know, it's not about, it's not about heads. It's about getting the right education. You know, um, the, what pays off more in this industry than anything else in the world is experience. Yeah. And, you know, having back to your point, Tony, having the right mentor is everything. And you can learn all the technical skill sets. You can learn all of the um, abilities and the foundation, but if you don't have someone who truly believes in you and also is willing to let you grow beyond where they're at so that, 
they know one day you're going to leave and do your own thing. Um, that is, you know, so important. It's also so rare. I mean, my, my mentor three and a half years into the industry, when I told him, Hey, I'm moving to New York, he was just like, shit, like, of course you are. I know, I knew that this was the route. I didn't bring you in so that I could keep you here and hold you down. I wanted everything for you and for you to fly and kind of grow on your own. So that's really rare. And that's why I initially even went with him aside from being a family friend and even being at my birth. Um, he just was like, this is, this is for you. I support you. Whereas all the other larger uh, well-off salons in the area, they wouldn't have that same support for me. You know, they're there to make a money. It's more of a business mindset. And, you know, I, I chose wisely with that. And I'm very fortunate to have great people in my life. I bet you his mentor was only surprised that he went to New York. I mean, I mean sure it was like <laughs> New York or LA, right? Because I think you're in like St. Louis. Isn't that, isn't that the track? You then up in yeah. LA or New York? It seems like it for sure. But I started coming up to New York, uh, working fashion week, like a year into it. And I was coming up probably almost every other month and every, he would see me leave and then come back and almost be sad that I was back in St. Louis. And so it was just kind of a, it was just the cycle that was bound to happen. I think. Let's talk about fashion week for a second. We have a good friend of ours that does fashion week. Um, mm-hmm. he's like he like manages hair. I don't even know what his type. He used to do um, what's a TV show. Uh, Project Runway. Yeah, he used to do all the hair for, for Project sure. Runway. So now, but now, you know, he then and now, but he talks about the speed, you know, so like a lot, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like capable hairdressers to do the looks, but to be able to do the looks and at the speed that they need to be, that that they need to be, can we, can we explore that a little bit? Yeah. So I'll never forget, like, so there's a French hairdresser. She's kind of a, a queen of hairdressing, uh, Odile Gilbert. And she is the my first experience in Fashion Week. And I'll never forget the same guy that I auditioned with L'Oreal um, to get the artistry position it was back in St. Louis. He texted me. He's like, do you want to come up for fashion week? I was like, I don't really know anything about it. You know, I'm, I, I suck at hair still. He's like, come stay on my couch. You're going to sneak into the shows with me. Just do it. And uh, his name is Joseph DiMaggio. Shout out to you, Joseph. And I get backstage. I, you know, I get to the front and I look, they're like, what's your name? They're checking people in. And I look down at the list and I just point to some guy's name. I was like, that's oh. me. And so they, they, they're like, cool, go ahead. So I get backstage and that's kind of at the time, that's what you had to do. Like the, the hairstylist, the lead hairstylist love that. Cause it showed so much initiative. You're like, fuck it. I'm going to get what it, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to take, do what it takes, but I'll never forget the first show I was doing the, you know, my hands didn't work that fast, much less comprehend what everyone was doing and then have the talent to be able to do it. And she was able to make things look so effortless and do things so fast that at one point, you know, when you're at fashion week, you're teaming up two to three people per look, which also speeds up the process. But a model sits down, there's two or three people holding products, sectioning, doing all the prep. And I was trying to do this model all on my own. And she eventually kind of came over and put her hand on my shoulder, and said, you watch, you assist, you don't do hair. Then we'll talk in the, after a few seasons. And that was like, oof, kind of a blow to my gut. I was like, oh, is she going to kick me out? Whatever. But even she embraced me so much in terms of like, you're young, you need to grow, you're, you can provide value here, but watch. And what I learned really quickly is that as hairdressers, we have a system which provides reproducibility, consistency, all these elements behind the chair. When you're at Fashion Week or in any like situation like that, there's no time for excess movements. So it's like if, let's say you're, you're pulling the hair back and you're slicking it back, you don't, you don't go through and smooth it all unless it needs to be smooth. You just put the product in, get right to it, and then you smooth it afterwards. And 
Uh, it's more about what is the most important thing that has to be done right now. And sometimes that's the right product. Sometimes it's emotion. Sometimes it's a technique. But every 30 seconds you waste when you only have 12 to 15 minutes tops per girl is just you start to back up. And so you learn really quickly the importance of what's the focal point of the look. Now, do, now, does the lead hairstylist, do they do do you guys like muster up before and are they like, here's the look, here's the feel of it? Or, or what's like, what's the coaching of that? Yeah. So usually like the day before uh, their agency or their booker manager will send out like the sheet that says, make sure you have all these tools, if they're specific tools. Uh, and that was another learn for me. They say, bring your kit. And I'm like, what's a kit? I've got some, <laughs> I'm like, I've got some got scissors. Hair school and, kit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And, you know, I show up with a little, a little, you know, suitcase with some bobby pins, hair pins, random stuff. And then I see all these other people lay out this just onslaught of like they're going to war and hair. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so that's what they're talking about. So they send out, you know, bring your kit where you're going to be make sure you have this special tool or these rollers because it's for the look because two to three days, usually, you know, within before the show, the lead hairstylist goes and does a test with the designer to create the look or looks which then dictates what everyone's going to be doing. And then the morning of after everyone or the day of when everyone's set up backstage, the first model that comes in they're okay, gather around, we're doing the look and they talk through the importance of it. Like the parting has to be here. We're using this product, drag this hair back this way. We're going to set it and then make sure it looks like this. And the important thing with that is knowing what the look should be because not every head of hair needs the same actions done to it. If you do the same exact thing on every girl, it might look slightly different, but you need to get it achieve a similar result on everybody. So you definitely have, here's our benchmark. This is the goal. And then all the girls come flooding in. Everyone does the looks together and the lead hairstylist just kind of like floats. Usually they generally don't sit at one chair and work. They're the, they're the conductor of the or orchestra or the symphony. Right. And the first and second assistant are usually they're really banging out hair, also floating with them. And there's been shows where either with the look dictated was a little bit tougher or beyond the skill set of some people. And the first and second assistant have to go through and fix everything. But maybe it's a look where all of the assistants, your job is to prep the hair to this point, And then these three people are going to finish every little detail to make sure it's working. How many hairstylists are on set? Um, you know, I think I've done shows where it's usually between 12 to 25 and it all depends on the amount of girls. I mean, I got thrown into the deep end and looking back, I didn't really know. I didn't understand the, the brevity or the, the strength of what I was doing. Like I was doing shows like Philip Lim, Rodarte, uh, Jason Wu, some of the, the top designers and shows in New York at the time. And so there would be some, some shows where there was, 50, 60, 70 girls. And so if you you take that down and you're like, okay, two to three artists to at least finish three people, you got to have like 20 people for 60 girls minimum. So wow. uh, there's, there's a lot. And there are some shows where the backstage is tiny and you're like on top of each other. And then some like other warehouse or bigger industrial shows where you get to spread out and it just becomes a whole production. So when you would go back to St. Louis, I mean, what was the, uh, were people trying to pick your brain or were people jealous or, I mean, how did, cause you know, here you are a young hairdresser, you know, you're in and out of, out of New York now. And I'm sure you have a, a line of people who've been in the salon for a while. Like, Hey, what was, what's up with this kid? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think, uh, I think there's a combination of a few things. I think there's definitely some people who kind of, you know, you're always going to have haters and people be like, ah, oh, 
you know, you just got the gig because of this. I certainly didn't think that I earned it based on my skill set or anything. I was just right place, right time, was able to put in the work and do what it took. Um, but I think, you know, most of most other hairdressers, there was this a sense of tell me more. What is it like? There's always the let me know when next season is. I want to join you. And I'm like, I don't have any power. I'm lucky to be on the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> and uh and then I think, you know, with clients was the biggest thing because all these clients are asking me, what are the new things? What are this? You know, tell me what designers you liked. And I was like, I'm so nervous back there. I'm shitting my pants. I'm just focused on not messing something up. I'm not paying attention to anything. <laughs> right. um, but definitely, you know, it gave me for my clients in St. Louis another perspective, which still to this day feeds me to, with my clients here in New York and in Brooklyn. When you're looking and seeing what's happening at the the kind of genesis or the beginnings of trends with hair and fashion and the connection behind it, you then have a little bit more of an idea of, okay, where, how's this going to fit into the salon world? If it does, um, you can speak to it a little bit more, but above anything, it just gives you clout. It gives, it gives people this sense of you are there doing it, whether that means you're a better hairdresser for them or not, they don't care. It's like, I get to go to a hairdresser who goes and does New York fashion week and it's bragging rights for people. Obviously, you're putting off some type of vibe that, you know, because you're your mentor in St. Louis. So, you know what? I'm just going to throw you in the deep end. You go to New York. I'm going to throw you in the deep end. So there's something about you that's willing to say, you know what? <laughs> throw me in the deep end and uh, I'll, I'll be able to, you know, swim. And uh, so half of that, a lot of times I think people get scared, right? Sometimes a lot of people let their fear maybe hold them back and not jump into the deep end and try to swim. But did you ever have that kind of fear? And how'd you overcome that if you did? Yeah, you know, I, shit, I definitely had that fear. I think the most important thing was having a, a, a few friends around me that said, just do it. We've got you. Like, you're not going to fall. Uh, we're going to be there with you. If transparency, I think if I would have gotten a random email from somebody to come to New York Fashion Week without a friend or a connection backstage, I would have probably been a little bit too scared to do it because I didn't know what I was doing. So it was really the support of my peers and being able to say, Hey, you've got this, we've got you. Um, and it was also going back to even auditioning for L'Oreal professional. My mentor, even one day was like, are you sure you're ready for this? Or do you want to wait a year and get, I was like, no, they asked, let's do it. And so I've always had that ambitious kind of crazy mentality of, if somebody says I shouldn't or couldn't do it, then I, it makes me want to try it even more. Mm -hmm. And even through the fear of, you know, I remember doing shows where my hands were shaking because it was such an important show and the, the lead was watching me and, oh shit, don't fuck this up. Don't mess up. Don't be that stylist. Um, but you just got to work through that. And I think fortunately, whether it's my own natural instinct or support of people or some level of comfort has enabled me to just kind of keep digging in and going deeper into it. Have you, um, have you found a drill in your life? Uh, you mean in terms of like a, a mentor or a mentee? Yeah. Like someone that you're like that, 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 that X has something and, and, and I want to support that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a few stylists, a few from St. Louis, a few here in New York that just got out of beauty school that somehow there's a connection to it. And I find that they'll reach out and at some point, they might not ask for advice or help, but it's always offered. And I, to me, that's huge because it's my responsibility to help helping, to keep helping people the same way that other people helped me. 
And I think the biggest challenge for me was to swallow that. What do I have to offer them? You know, who am I to be a mentor to somebody and say, I actually have a lot that I can share and have ways that I can help. So whether it's having a phone call with someone who wants to get in the industry this week, uh, helping a, a student just getting out of school, land in the salon I'm in and taking him on photo shoots with me, um, reaching out to somebody in the Midwest who moved up to New York and kind of befriending them and just supporting and trying to help guide them in any way I can. And I think, uh, you know, it, it can be time consuming. It can be a lot, but to me, that's really important because I wouldn't be here today without all the people who've supported me. Mm. So when you moved to New York yourself, did, did, did you already have, obviously you had relationships, but did you have friends or, or, cause I mean, that from St. Louis to New York, that's a huge move. Yeah. Did, you know, did you, did you have support or the friends that, that kind of you, you were able to lean on or you just, just went for it? I think both. Uh, I had friends, but I didn't have the type of friends you like go out and party with. I had industry friends and in the line of work well, I was what doing. What industry are you in? Because our industry <laughs> is filled with the party. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I didn't, have, yeah, I, didn't, rephrase that. <laughs> I didn't have the time to go out drinking and partying with, with my friends. And most of my industry friends doing set work or working in salons, Sure, we'd go have drinks or, you know, lunch after a show. But when I moved to New York, I also set myself up to make sure I wasn't going to fail. Moving to New York to a city that's, you know, three or four times more expensive in a lot of your costs. I was deathly afraid of I'm going to move there, blow all my money and fail. So I kept going back to St. Louis every between four and six weeks, working for four days, 16 hour days to make my money so that I knew when I was in New York doing my hustle, I wasn't going to be wondering how am I going to pay my rent? Uh, And what that did is between that working with L'Oreal Professional, it just created this cycle of just constant workflow. And I think for probably two or three years, I really didn't take advantage of the social element of networking and connecting with other people in New York because I was so busy on my own grind and in my own schedule. So looking back at it, it served its purpose. But I had some friends and connections here. I had people that knowing they were here, I could reach out to if I had a problem, which made me sleep better at night, but they weren't in my day-to-day life. They didn't work at the salon I started at. They weren't on the road with me. They weren't flying back to St. Louis with me. So it was a lot of it was done on my own. And it was, let's say probably one of the more lonely times in my world, but I was on a mission to, Hey, I got my friends in, in St. Louis. I can see when I'm back there. I got my work that's going on. And it was just a, a focus and determination to make this work. So you just keeping busy. So you, you didn't yeah. do all that, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you, uh, when you go back to uh, St. Do you, do you still make it back to St. Louis? Yeah, I usually, you know, probably up until three years ago, I was going four or five, six times a year. Um, I don't go back there for clients anymore. I always have special requests, but when I go back, it's just to see family. And then, uh, you know, family takes up the the lion's share of it. And then I have a few friends that, they're always texting me like, Hey man, cool of you. I see you back in St. Louis. I didn't get the phone call. And I'm like, man, you, know. you have a big family. So, uh, I, I wouldn't say big, but very close. You know, I have some, I have two parents back there. I have a brother, sister-in-law and now two nieces and then uh, some extended family, some uncles and, you know, people, I still, my mentor, he, I, every time I go back there, I always have to see him have, have dinner drinks with he and his wife. So, um, 
it's more important to me to have the quality over quantity when I go back. And that is something I'm working on is reconnecting with all my, my good friends and homies back there. So I think what I'm going to start doing is just saying, Hey, I'm going to be at this cafe from 10 o'clock till four o'clock show up. If you want to talk, that's all I got. That's the, that's the play right there. Yeah. No, that's smart. actually. (laughs) You know, I I have to imagine that like your St. Louis mentor is just tickled with your success and yeah. what you've done. And like, he must have, I wonder if he's living vicariously through you a little bit. Like, was this, what, what, did, did he mean this to be his track, but he goes, well, I can send Drew. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about that a lot and we even, um, Matthew and I had him as a guest on our podcast in, in the first season. And he always talked about, he had a desire to reach for New York and, but his family and his wife came first and, you know, he, made sacrifices that a lot of us have to make in order to provide for your family, to keep things steady. And I think he definitely does have an element that lives vicariously through me. And when we get back together and talk, he's always wanting you know, what's going on with Crux? How's the fashion world? How are your clients? He loved that I stepped back behind the chair two years ago, two days a week. And um, I think it definitely does. It feeds a part of him because he still sees all of his old ladies and, you know, younger women as well. But they're always like, how's Drew doing? So I think that there is an element of that that keeps feeding him. That's awesome. That's really Yeah. Cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because my family is super close too. And um, I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger because even people aren't blood related. They become family in my family. Everybody gets adopted. So we, like pre-COVID, we would have a barbecue in my backyard. There'll be 60, 70 people in the backyard. You know? oh, so, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's all family. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's pretty. He's got a he's got a very special family. When it, with that, I mean, they adopted me when uh when I was sixteen or something, you know. And you know, it's like his cousins certainly refer to me as cousin. You know, his Even daughters though, and you know everybody's niece and yeah, it's yeah. just it is it, it's family. Yeah. yeah, that's special. That's a lot of love to go around. Yeah, Dude, it's it's awesome. The, the love love is definitely the, is definitely the magic word there. So you said that you went back behind the chair a couple of years ago. Was that mm-hmm. was that COVID related? Was that because you weren't getting work elsewhere? Yeah, you know, I hadn't been behind the chair in a salon in probably six seven years. Uh, I worked at a salon for six months when I moved here almost ten years ago, and I stepped out of it because I realized I don't want to move to New York to do the same thing I was doing in St. Louis. And that's awesome, uh, though, bro. It's, it's, it's a tough call to make because, you know, thankfully I had work as an educator that was able to bring in enough income to make me do that move and to focus on the fashion world. I mean, I think the, the most misconceived idea about doing fashion and editorial is you don't, you don't make money for the first three, five plus years and you're working for free or you're assisting and even now to this day, I still do as much work for free as I do getting paid in that industry. So Hold I on, said- I'm going to, I'm going to stay there for just a sec, Drew. Okay. Because I think, I think what's happened, you know, certainly with like the Instagram world and our industry and stuff that, that everybody's getting paid immediately. But, but, but what mm-hmm. you said is so true. I mean, it's, it's, it's a three to that's part of the grind, you know, and it's part of the grind is that, and like I said earlier on is that nothing pays in this industry, like experience. And sometimes you pay for that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough go. And I think also the deeper you want to go into it, the tougher it is. So for example, one of the most recent hairstylists I assisted a lot, um, he's at the top of the game in the fashion world. 
his first assistant is just now leaving. And I met her on his team six years ago. So she's been his first assistant traveling side by side for six years. Now she has a salary she worked on, was able to do all of these cool things that are, you know, a lot egotistically great, but also experientially, you know, and making connections. And she's just now getting ready to go out on her own and with an agency. So she's just now at the bottom of the, you know, not at the bottom, she's starting higher up, but she's at the totem pole starting to work her way up now. And this idea that people are able to move here and work on editorial and say, I did an editorial, I should get paid, that you get paid off of the jobs that hire you because you did a cool editorial or because you do something really, really cool and they see your talent. And that's that's been a tough thing for me to learn as well, because when I go work for a company doing education, when I work with a client cutting their hair, you're getting paid. But all these other things, you have to start to keep saying yes to the things that you see a future in and start saying no to the things that may be fun or cool, but it's not going to serve your greater purpose with it. And that's a balance that you don't really find until you're in it. And like just this past week, I did a photo shoot uh, for a new Italian magazine with a photographer that I'm, I love working with. He's one of the coolest creative people. And I had to look at him like, okay, here's another day of my life where I'm not getting paid, where I'm, I'm putting out a 12 hour day with the hopes of the images that we produce are going to be so impactful, so cool, seen by the right people that I'm going to get a job from it in the future. And it's going to start to kind of snowball from that. So it's, it's almost like assisting in the salon. You got to go assist. You, it's, you go through your learning process. You just don't have a, somebody teaching you directly unless you're assisting someone full time. And you just got to kind of keep grinding at it and hope that it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off someday. Mm. That's a good one. Great advice. You know, totally. So uh, you mentioned Crux. What's, uh, what, what, kind of walk us through what Crux is and, and, and how you started it, why you started all that stuff. Yeah. So I mentioned I became an educator like six months into my career and probably the first eight years, I, I found what I call like collecting dots. Like you notice something and you're like, I'm putting that in my back pocket. And what I mean by that is every time I was on stage or in front of a group of people, the first things that they ask, it's not about the haircut. It's what comb are you using? What clips are you using? What scissors do you like? And, um, you know, being a, a, a tool geek and kind of wanting to try everything out, I, was in the process of creating some curriculum for L'Oreal Professional and realized, yes, tools make all the difference, but there's a lot of gimmicky stuff out there. And I realized that I never had a connection to anything I held in my hand more than the job it did. And as artists and creatives, we are so emotionally polarized and emotionally driven, charged, that I looked back at my own career as a, an athlete. And when I would lace up the David Beckham soccer shoes, I would feel like I could run faster. I could kick better. And a tool never really did that for me. So I, I was kind of looking at, okay, there's an um, opening in this market for a different type of hair company or a different hair brand. And I wanted those tools to represent a connection between the fashion world that the hair industry is so connected to, but also the emotional spectrum of each hairdresser. So when you pick up the crux comb, it has an emotional feel to it physically. It represents something that is creatively charged and it's different from everything else out there. So what turned from the canvas roll kit was my first idea. Cause I didn't like all the scissor cases I had started making prototypes, found the right connection, just asking people. 
and it turned into a, a bigger idea and it's continuing to grow. So at the moment, it's a it's a hair inspired company that makes professional tools for stylists. And it's also branching into the consumer market with products that are different or unique uh, because the whole brand ethos, aside from the emotionally charged heaviness and darkness and then light and, you know, etho ethereal uh, feel of it all. It's about doing stuff to minimize the bullshit and get back to what's important. And for me, I always looked at so many tools and products that have come out to make a sale. They're, they're driven by marketing teams. There's one little element that's changed. And to me, when I looked at, and I'll just use a certain clip, for example, several years ago, the big gator clips that are big, you know, they work great. But for me, the process is really big. And if I'm watching two hairdressers, in this, I'm speaking from the eye and my personal experience. If I'm watching two hairdressers work, if I'm seeing somebody using things that are more minimal and putting the the craft in the spotlight and the focus versus all these gaudy, colorful, different things that speaks more about the hairdresser than the work, my eye is drawn to the other, to the to the first one. So everything in the design of every tool is meant to be minimal. It's meant to be not loud, not standing out. And it's meant to put the craft and the emotion of what we do at the forefront of it. And then with the consumer products, uh, we just launched our second hair and body oil uh, last November. And that was a personal thing of mine. I was just during quarantine, I was experimenting with, I wanted something I could put on my body when I got out of the shower and put it in my hair to help style it. But that also smelled the way of fragrance I would want to smell. I don't personally love a lot of hair product smells. I feel like they're too perfumey, too, too fragrancy. So I just started kind of breaking bad in my own kitchen, ordering all these different raw materials and over two years found, found some formulas that I think work and they're doing really well. They're, um, they're being retailed in salons and offered on e-commerce and getting into some, some really good retail shops here in New York. So it's a, it's a interesting growth and it's definitely been a slow growing journey. It's uh, if I look at the stages of companies, there's surviving, uh, striving and thriving. And we're, we're in the surviving period still. Um, I thought it'd be cool to come up with a bunch of tools and think that people would just want to buy them and sell them without having business <laughs> models and plans. And, you know, they're like, Oh, cool. Drew did something. Let's buy it. And, you know, it turns out that's not really the case. Definitely have a, a support group that's growing, but it takes a lot more of a business mind and, that I think is one of my greatest challenges right now is balancing my creative side of me and the business side of me and as the, uh, the CEO of everything. I don't think I've ever heard of an oil where you can put on your hair and your body at the same time. You know, it, that's, that fascinates me actually. I, I, I think I'm going to order some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, yeah. What, what kind of oil is it? So the, the first one I came out with, which I'll send you guys some, um, yeah. It's a uh, marula, grapeseed, avocado, and argan oils. So it's all natural cold pressed oils. Um, and the fragrance is, so it's a little bit heavier, very rich in moisture. And that's the one a lot of men like for their beards. I use it on my body. It's uh, a little bit heavier for my hair, but it works well for higher curl formations, coarser, thicker hair. Then the second oil is baobab, prickly pear, and evening primrose oil. So it's much more lightweight, less vis- or, uh, thinner in viscosity. And the fragrance in or the fragrance in that one is um, rose oud, 
Santal, Yuzu, and Hinoki. And the first one's smokier. It's uh, like Vetiver, Palo Santo, Smoke, and um, Yuzu. So there's, or Hinoki. So there's definitely a yin and yang to it, you know. And when I started using it day to day, for me, it was kind of like a, a ritual, you know, having something that smelled heavy kind of grounds you in it. And it it's kind of sets a tone when you get out of the shower, every time you put it in your hair, it's kind of like a reminder. It's like when you hear, you were talking, we were talking about concerts earlier, when right. you hear one of those songs that you, you went back to, it kind of takes you to another place. And our, our olfactory senses are such a strong, they're the strongest sense that we have with connected to memories. So for me, it was equally important to have something that worked well on, on hair to be able to use on skin. Um, also to have a ritual, the, a lot of my clients here in Brooklyn are beauty gurus or influencers, and they're using it as like the gouache. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Guasha, like all these face rolling things and using it in like bath rituals. And I've, I have some more stuff coming out with another kind of ritual spiritual company soon. So it's, uh, it's multi-layered. And for me, it was about what is something we can take and get rid of all of these other things and bring it into one and make it the best version of it to provide those people who are really going to appreciate it and see it as something new and unique instead of just another thing to sell. I love it. So you're niching it down essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Just cut, cut all the fat out, get rid of it. That's pretty cool. So did it, it started off as a tool company and then you're like, wait a sec, I think I can go, I think I can make a wet product as well. Yeah. So it started off just selling tools to professionals. And I shouldn't say just it started off selling tools to professionals and we're still marketing or we're still going that direction. I'm still, I've moved all of my manufacturing from Asia to now Mexico to bring it back to North America. And we're currently working on prototypes to add more, um, more tools in the lineup while also kind of exploring this other thing, because again, this was a personal product I was making for myself that everyone else was commenting and loving. So I was like, well, let's try it. And, you know, who knows how that will grow and work. But I think even, even in the brand messaging, that can be tricky, how to promote to both sides. So it's definitely a unique company that I think a lot of people can relate to whether you're inside the hair industry or out of it. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, hey, how long ago did you guys start your podcast? And, uh, you know, welcome to the podcast space. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, we, we started it last year. So Matthew and I, we had another project that we were working on. Um, and it was a travel show. I, I can't, I don't want to speak too much to it because it's still in the works. But we had a, a, a docu-series we were working on that would involve us traveling around the world. And some great networks like Netflix, HBO, um, they were all interested in it. And then 2020 lockdown happened and that was just no longer an option with the, with everything rising back up, the kind of the temperature has changed. The market is a little bit different. So last year we said, well, we can't travel and pursue this, this project. Exactly. What is something else we can do to create value to help build steam for it? So we created the strands that bind us and the whole premise of the the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. You or Matt. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even the, the artwork on the cover are paintings that I did of just different hair. Um, and that's part of like, that's why we, Matthew and I work well, so well together. We start talking about an idea and I have a, we're yin and yang again. Like I have a, a very different side of me than he does. He's more of logical plan this out. 
um, big picture this. And I, I get into more details and a different element. And we said, okay, we can't go anywhere. So let's start a podcast and talk about stories about this fabric we have on our head that we're all connected to. And our goal for it wasn't to promote it and focus just on the professional hair industry. There's a lot of great podcasts out there, hence like yourselves. Um, we wanted to tap into a, a different side of it that shows, you know, the guest that we had on who was a cancer survivor, telling her story about losing her hair, wearing wigs, talking about her options that she didn't know that were out there or things she wished were out there. Talking to a um, an activist and speaker who's also a model who's in, from an indigenous tribe in Canada about the importance of hair to the, her Native American tribe and how that is basically overlooked in schools and how their culture hair is so important yet young men with braids going to school are getting their braids cut off because they're not allowed to have long hair um, to Dax being a celebrity who's just into hair cuts hair himself how actors have been perceived differently with different roles because of their hair one of my best friends got a um, got hair transplants recently and talking to him about that process and his emotional spectrum and what the actual process was like, it was terrifying to hear his experience. He said, I think he said it was like a Chinese water torture or worse, or being plucked by like a plucked by a chick or like a chicken from the back. And so it's, you know, we all have, we all have hair on our heads and it means so much to cultures in different ways. And it means so much to each person in different ways. So Hey, let's let's invite people on and share people's stories and hope that it resonates and it hits home. And if it grows into something, awesome. And if not, it was it's a fun project for us to do some good. Are you guys you guys are gonna keep doing it moving forward as well now that we're kind of like now that like the COVID scares is slowing down a bit? Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, our 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 goal was to really kind of make this a priority. And we slowed down at the end of last year. We went through three seasons last year. Um, so like 30 episodes or so, maybe more. And then he's getting married next month. Work is picked back up and we we've been kind of in the planning stages of, okay, let's, let's hit this pause button just so we make sure we're not spiraling in a direction we don't want to go. And, you know, again, quality over quantity for us. Uh, we'd rather have one come out a month that resonates than try to just fill it and then have there be too much minutia in it. So we're on a little bit of a hiatus and we're trying to get back next month. That's awesome, dude. It's 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 a really good podcast too. If you're if you're if you're hearing this, like go check it out. We um, I just just this morning I listened to the Dak Shepard one, and like first off, I'm amazed that you could have an hour long conversation with Dak Shepard about hair, and like that's pretty much all you guys talked about. And I thought he's so like, I don't know what the word is, like addictive or appealing or like like you just yes. want to hear more from him. You know what yeah, I mean? like everything he says, you're just like waiting for what he's saying next. You're like, go on, go, go exactly. On. And, and and it's about hair, and like, here's a guy who like you know hosts like a, a a car show. You know what I mean? And like, and he's talking about hair, and and it was just a. a, a I'm not going to hire him as a dentist. However, right. um, <laughs> Dak has this uh this ego that thinks that he can be a dentist. So I'll, I'll just leave it there. Uh, Listen, I definitely to won't let him do my knee replacement either. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah. Doing my knee <laughs> but uh, but. but Although like we can, like he seemed to have an understanding of, of hair and, and, and the fabric and, 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 uh, and the, not so much like the fabric, but, but more of like how it should work on one's hair. And like, he seemed to have a pretty good idea of that. Yeah. Know? I mean, he still cuts his mother-in-law's hair to this day. Wow. Which to me is just when, and when I, when I see somebody or hear somebody that just does haircuts without training, I love that. Cause that's how I started. 
And to me, that just means that you are someone who likes to figure stuff out. And back to Dax's point of feeling he like he can watch a few YouTube videos and be a dentist and, you know, perform, you know, different surgeries. I love that about him. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's fascinating how much knowledge and information he has to share on the topic. I love that. He said that he cuts Kristen's hair, you know, Kristen Bell, his wife. And like, like, like she's a red carpet celebrity, man. You can't like, you can't, you can't mess her up. Right? No, no. What you're going to be in the doghouse. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's awesome. dude. I, I, for real, I really enjoyed the podcast. I'm definitely going to um, pick up a couple more episodes too. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's really cool. So um, I almost called you Dak. So Drew, where, uh, how can people find you or, or locate you or, or, you know, get in bed with Drew? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> easy guys. All right. So, uh, on social media, it's at Drew Schaefering. So it's D R E W S C H A E F E R I N G and support for crux as well would be support would uh, be appreciated. It's crux brand on all social media. It's C R U X E B R A N D or cruxbrand.com. The strains that bind us podcast, as well as on social media on Instagram. And you can find me, uh, kind of cutting hair here in Brooklyn around the country doing anything. If, uh, if you are an artist and would love to expand your, your artistry and your creativity specifically, Crux has a workshop that we do called Crux Abstract, where it's two day event and 75% of it, we don't touch hair. We use other artistic mediums to get different synapses firing and different emotions going to then go back to hair with a different perspective and a, a greater awareness of how we work. Bro, I love that. Yeah, and as a salon, I mean, you have, is there a way to, if someone wanted to carry your product, do they? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to carry the uh, the oils, just reach out to, you can send Crux a DM, so at Crux Brand on, on Instagram, or even go on the website, cruxbrand.com, and just send a, a chat message. We have a little chat box on there. Send a message, and I'm, I'll be the one replying to you. So now that we're on the other side of this, like, like, like what's, what's in your future, what's in Drew's future, what's in Crux's future and, and all that, like what's happening like this, this 2022. 2022 is all about uh, incremental changes for me. Um, you know, there's a great book called atomic habits where it talks about, you know, if you are, if you're steering on your path and you just make a one or two degree turn, that's going to change your trajectory forever. And for me, it's all about doing little things in my day to day that I can to make things better. Uh, whether that is, bringing someone else on with crux, um, adding more value to people who are in the community, um, bringing on another element to help me get more photo shoots, working with a, an assistant to help up the quality and the, the game of that to even in my chair in the salon. And it's about being present with where I'm at. Um, you know, I like to wear many hats. Uh, I like to think of myself as a good Swiss army knife instead of a sniper rifle. And, um, it's important to focus on where I'm at in that moment. So how I can continue to add more to it without taking up more of my time. And it's just all through little dial turns and element changes. Oh, that's gorgeous, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, Hey, this was great. That's a quick hour, dude. You ain't kidding, man. We we flew through it, right? Yeah. So Mr. Drew, thank you very, very much for joining us on you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends, give us a rating, and drop a review. To listen to all the latest podcasts, please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet. And to stay connected on and off the show, you can follow us at Hairdistry on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Peace and love.